0: Welcome to the From Disruption to Cohesion, the Next Step in Digital Transformation discussion sponsored by Juniper Networks. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin.
1: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Dave Mihelsic. He's the head of strategy and technology for Juniper Networks. Dave, good to have you in. Thank you. Let's talk about digital transformation first. It's a word you hear a lot. And in a sense, the first computer was a piece of digital transformation, you know, 50 years ago. But... What, what does the term mean today and wh- how do you see it manifesting itself as you look across government agencies?
2: So what it means to me is I think we're going to go from sort of this inadvertent transformation that's been going on for years inside uh, the federal government and industry to a more purposeful transformation where federal organizations are going to leverage technology to improve service delivery to the uh, public as well as to their internal stakeholders, whether those be the president of the United States or a private in the United
1: States Army. So a digital service, I guess we tend to understand what it means collectively. Sometimes I don't think we define it that carefully. But my sense is that it's applications to the public that call from multiple databases for whatever it is a person is seeking an answer. Right, absolutely. Not just an
2: answer, but potentially a service, uh, retiree, Social Security benefits, uh, uh, Medicare benefits, etc. So what we need to do is give the same experience to a uh, um, citizen of the United States for these public-facing
1: services that they've grown to expect from Netflix or Uber. And so how does an agency make that happen? Because uh, so they're, even to this day, pretty much transaction-oriented and and inward looking in many of the ways they approach IT.
2: So, I think the way that they make that happen is to look how the leading companies in the industry have made that happen. Leverage technologies such as the internet protocol and the internet itself, the cloud, and then modern development techniques such as Agile to deliver these uh, uh, internet scale services that can meet the uh, public's demand for
1: both information as well as services themselves. So when you have agile development, that means that you have some larger picture in mind, but you attack it a bite at a time, I guess, is the best way, is one way to put it. Right, absolutely. In uh,
2: Traditionally, in something called waterfall development, the way you ran a project was you did a Uh, Could be a multi-month, could be a multi-year in the case of uh, large software programs, planning event where you determine all of the requirements and then the software design a priori before you started writing a single line of code. And the disadvantage of that is you would spend a lot of time planning, less time implementing, and uh, oftentimes you uh, recognize that changes were required uh, as you were executing but it was really too late to do those uh, in an efficient fashion. So if you wanted to actually make the change, it required significant replanning events, significant delays, and additional cost. So Agile, what Agile tries to do is you have a broad vision in mind, but that you work in very small increments or sprints to understand what is the priority to deliver today for this week, this sprint. It could be a number of days or weeks or even months, and then focus on developing and delivering that. And then, once again, go back to the uh, stakeholders, the ones who own that project, and work with them on a continuous basis to refine those requirements and deliver uh, usable capability as
1: quickly as possible. Now, agencies tend to know what they need for their internal purposes, say a logistics system in the military or something like that. But when you're deploying Agile, when you're deploying services to the public and you want to use Agile means, I guess the question is, how do you know what the public really wants? I mean... So, uh, you know, one approach could be to bring the public into the
2: development cycle to actually use end consumers as part of your process to uh, work with them to uh, use storyboards to describe what it is they want to do and how they want to do it. So I think if you went to a uh, a uh, grandmother in southern Illinois and asked her what was wrong with the way she interacted with uh, uh, the Social Security Administration, she'd have a pretty good idea of what they could do to make that interaction more seamless uh,
1: for her. So potentially bring that stakeholder into the conversation. And a lot of agencies have forms that they send out in writing, or I guess for them the first stage of digital transformation is you could have a PDF on your site. And then people could download the form and then send it in, this kind of thing. But when you have multiple forms, I guess maybe Agile really applies to those situations, for example, because you can do one form at a time and try to get that right until the whole bundle of forms. And there are agencies that have dozens, hundreds of forms from a single agency for many, many different purposes. Right. So an initial step might be
2: to take those paper forms, make them digital. Uh, make them PDFs that uh, can be saved, that the uh, uh, end user can fill in and save that data. Uh, you could move to the next step, which would be pre-populating those forms. Uh, you could move to dig- digital signatures. So no longer would uh, the consumer, uh, the uh, citizen, have to print them out and physically sign them at the end of the process. They could apply a digital signature. And then moving even further forward, uh, you could eliminate the form itself, the PDF, and move to a, a web portal And uh, they could have as much information as uh, possible pre populated, and they could just answer those critical questions, assert their identity through some secure
1: electronic means,
2: and uh, request the service.
1: Now, some of the legacy businesses, I guess banks, maybe financial institutions, airlines, and so forth, have found a way to incorporate their old legacy applications, which still function. They still do what they're supposed to do 30, 40 years, in some cases after they were originally launched. And so having the view that Juniper does of the entire network and everything that's going on on it in a given agency or di- given business, how, what's, what's a good strategy for incorporating or transforming or somehow making use of that legacy code, which is pretty hard to retire sometimes? So it's a function of both legacy code and perhaps more importantly, the existing
2: data. Uh, We're not going to call it legacy because it's not legacy. It's data that's uh, potentially very important. So you want to be able to expose that data um, and expose those legacy pieces of code as functions through standard APIs, application programming interfaces. And then those uh, data as well as those uh, uh, software functionalities can be leveraged by Uh, new, more innovative uh, Web 2.0 applications.
1: So you really have to peel away the data, in some cases, from its dependence on a particular application, really the original architecture tied together, maybe a flat database and some application. But the data is there if you can just extract it for reuse. Extract it, uh, loosely couple it, so it's no longer tied to a
2: particular application. It's just data that's available. It's searchable, it's accessible in a secure fashion, and it can be used for the original purpose. Uh, you know, a home address might have been in a database to mail a check, and now that home address can be used to pre-populate the
1: request for all services the government tries to provide to end users. And what about mobility? Because uh, if you read the statistics, more and more people are doing more and more mobily. But, you know, in the case of government, you've got to accommodate forever, more so than a commercial entity, all the possible means of access that people would have. And it may be that, you know, grandma is not ever going to have a tablet or a mobile device. Well, um Perhaps. Uh, I think that not only uh, government, but industry
2: needs to accommodate whatever mechanism an end user is going to try to use to access uh, these services um, uh, and these data elements. And that's going to require mobility. And uh, I don't think it's a good assumption that that uh, grandmother won't use mobile data. So my my dad, uh, he's 86 years old. Uh, He recently moved from uh, his uh, iPhone to an Android phone because uh, he likes that experience better. And he interacts with uh, citizens based services through that platform.
1: All right, so then uh, maybe government is maybe a little too conservative in how far out it moves into the digital services arena, if you will.
2: Well, I, I think that uh, not just the, the government, but across any industry, if you don't have a mobile strategy, if you're not exposing whatever you uh, are providing through some, some mobile interface, you're probably going to fail.
1: All right, let's uh, take a break on that note. My guest today is Dave Mihelsic. He is head of federal strategy and technology at Juniper Networks. I'm Tom Temin. This discussion is From Disruption to Cohesion, The Next Step in Digital Transformation, sponsored by Juniper Networks, here on federalnewsradio.com and Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m.
0: Here's Dave Mahelcheck, Federal Chief Technology and Strategy Officer, Juniper Networks.
2: As a 30-year technology veteran, I understand the need to reduce IT operational complexity and costs. Your fastest path to progress is digital transformation, and a good place to start is the network. Open standards-based networks let you introduce automation to eliminate errors, reduce downtime, and optimize applications.
0: Learn how Juniper Network solutions deliver enhanced efficiency and security. Juniper.net slash federal.
1: Welcome back to our discussion, From Disruption to Cohesion, the Next Step in Digital Transformation, sponsored by Juniper Networks here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guest is Dave Mihelsic, Head of Federal Strategy and Technology at Juniper Networks. And Dave, let's uh, go on with s- this idea of digital transformation and maybe talk about some of the, tr- the technologies that are required there. And uh, I let's start with one that I think is probably close to to Juniper, and that is software-defined networking. I think that's a concept that's understood, but not that widely adopted yet in the federal government. Well, I'm not sure it's even
2: understood, and I'm not talking about uh, that's not a criticism of the federal government. I think there's a a large misperception on what SDN is and how it's going to fundamentally change the way we do business. So uh, software-defined networking is really the, uh, the, the concept of being able to separate uh, networks' functions from specific hardwares. Um, and what we can do as we move to a more software-defined world is uh, we can take network functions and virtualize them and move them to the place uh, in the network where they're most appropriate, whether they be a commercial cloud or an end-user system in general. And I think moving forward, we're going to see software-defined networking coupled with automation, dramatically decrease the time that it takes to deploy services uh, as well as decrease the time uh, that it takes to manage and maintain those services and increase the reliability
1: of those services. Because you have virtualization of applications and their data so that they can be put in the cloud. Right. And virtualization of the network
2: functionality, whether it be cybersecurity in terms of a firewall, you can take that firewall virtualize it, and push it into the cloud close to the data, or of a router itself. You can uh, take that functionality that used to be accomplished by a custom piece of hardware and turn that into a modular software, and that modular software can be pushed into the cloud or into an end-user computing instance.
1: And not to get too confusing here, but can you take all of the services uh, that are offered by those bundles of software, containerize the subroutines, and then maybe reuse them, rejuggle them? make them more portable, even so? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, my company, Juniper, is
2: delivering firewalls as either uh, virtualized instances that can be run in Amazon, Mm -hmm. or they're delivering them in containers that can be run in uh, environments such as uh, uh, Docker or Kubernetes, so that you can have a standard development uh, philosophy and use uh, containers to maximize software use and have this capability
1: available. And so how does that add up to a better ability to have a digital transformation of your agency. So uh, where it adds up is you're able to deliver
2: services much more quickly, much more reliably in a repeatable fashion. And once again, that coupled with automation, uh, taking things that humans used to do by hand and initially uh, just automating those into, uh, you know, essentially making scripts to do these uh, rote steps over and over again to moving to uh, orchestrations where Mm -hmm. large, complex series of events are knitted together by a uh, piece of network intelligence, to really machine-driven automation where, uh, based on previous experiences, the network learns what it needs to do
1: and then can improve how it operates moving forward. And earlier we were talking about agile development as a methodology to get digital services deployed one by one and to make sure they're tested and vetted. It seems like if there is a problem in, a, in, in the development or you, know, you come to a roadblock or a decision point in the development of a, of a digital service under the agile method, it could be that a, a container or a bundle of containers is where you need to reprogram or update without affecting everything else. Uh, So does the containerization help the agile development process by isolating what it is you need to change as you get to what your goal is for your users?
2: Right, absolutely. You limit your complexity and you make it easier to walk backwards if you have a problem, to uh, roll back to an earlier version of functionality uh, and then be able to quickly determine what it was that caused that problem, fix that, and
1: then roll forward again. And you mentioned automation and orchestration, and that sounds like, compiling but it's really not so well it it, uh, is part of the
2: development process Mm -hmm. so leading-edge companies uh you know i mentioned some upfront uh you know netflix and spotify and uber are using these methodologies to automate testing during the development process and then based on that automated testing to deploy code in a continuous fashion to the network so some of these companies are delivering enhancements to their products Uh, not every uh, week or every day, but multiple times a day, Uh, sometimes as as quickly as every hour. They're delivering new capability, and those are automatically compiled, tested, and deployed into the network.
1: Now, in all of these situations, digital services, cloud deployment, whether it's a public-facing application or an agency-facing application, everybody is worried about cybersecurity. And to many federal practitioners, to them, they say that the cloud still seems like too much of a black box. Even though it might be a FedRAMP compliant cloud or a higher-level security compliant cloud, it's the visibility—not so much—that uh, that, that bothers them. Even in the face of good, you know, attestation by the cloud provider that that it's secure, and it might even be more secure than your own data center. But what you said earlier about moving firewalls as as virtual. Uh, software-defined objects into the cloud, that would seem like a good strategy for alleviating the problem of the cloud being a black box for cyber monitoring.
2: So absolutely. So, um, uh, And I think uh, federal organizations really just need to get over this notion that the cloud is less secure than the computer under the desk. The reality is that these major cloud providers have made huge investments in being able to provide multi-tenant security for these clouds. Now, it's incumbent upon the uh, then the service owner to ensure that uh, they do their piece of the puzzle, which is providing those uh, cybersecurity services to now secure their workload that's deployed into that commercial cloud. And uh, virtualized firewalls and uh, other virtualized security mechanisms are a big step forward.
1: And all of these things help agencies get out from under the cost of maintaining their own physical hard infrastructure, And so let me give you an example. It seems like a 1,000 years ago, but remember the Cash for Clunkers program uh, was launched. And briefly, it was very popular, and so it crashed under the workloads. And the federal government at that time wasn't all that agile in terms of being able to expand or scalable, let's say, uh, to scale quickly. Uh, With orchestration and cloud, it seems like that issue, if that digital service becomes really popular you could scale a lot faster without the service disruptions that happened in some of the other programs. So absolutely. So
2: federal organizations need to understand as they build their next generation applications, they need to build them to take advantage of this scale-out style of computing, which many uh, um, commercial organizations have been doing for 10 years at this point. So they need to be able to uh, essentially request computing on demand, load copies of the service into that computing Um, if uh, they need to continuously monitor performance. If the performance isn't sufficient, request additional capacity. That may come, uh, a a cloud provider may have an API so they can essentially just turn up the number of compute cycles associated with their uh, already existing instances, or they may request
1: additional instances and load software into those and load balance into them. But in watching all of this, just like in watching cybersecurity, isn't the aim to even orchestrate those steps you just described So that if the load, if you know what the capacity is of this instance, and you can program it to simply add more on its own, rather than having someone watch a pane of glass and saying, "Uh uh-oh, we've got a capacity issue So absolutely, no human can keep
2: up with uh, the the scale and the speed required to do this. So it has to be automated. Those automations may be built directly into the cloud provider, where they have an auto-scale capability to just increase the number of cycles when they determine that... uh, uh, your your application isn't being performant, or it may be incumbent upon the federal organization to have uh, uh, telemetry coming back from the application and then once again to uh, request more capacity for the cloud com- provider, load in the software required, and then load balance into that, that new instance. And uh, it can't be done with human intervention. It's got to be automated.
1: So for your digital transformation project, then the idea of a dashboard, just like we have those for other metrics like cybersecurity on the network is something you really should think about from the outset. Right. So there are still going to be operators involved. Those operators
2: do need a dashboard so they can understand what's going on and, in particular, take actions when something completely unanticipated has happened, where the automation doesn't know what to do. But for the most part, you need to design applications and automations that are auto-correcting.
1: All right. We're going to take a break on that note. My guest today is Dave Mihelsic. He is head of federal strategy and technology at Juniper Networks. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is From Disruption to Cohesion, The Next Step in Digital Transformation, sponsored by Juniper, here on federalnewsradio.com and Federal News Radio 1500 AM.
0: Here's Dave Mahelcheck, Federal Chief Technology and Strategy Officer, Juniper Networks.
2: As a 30-year technology veteran, I understand the need to reduce IT operational complexity and costs. Your fastest path to progress is digital transformation, and a good place to start is the network. Open standards-based networks let you introduce automation to eliminate errors, reduce downtime, and optimize applications.
0: Learn how Juniper Network solutions deliver enhanced efficiency and security. Juniper.net slash federal.
1: Welcome back to our discussion, From Disruption to Cohesion, the Next Step in Digital Transformation, sponsored by Juniper Networks here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and FederalNewsRadio.com. My guest today is Dave Mihelsic, Head of Federal Strategy and Technology at Juniper, I'm Tom Temin. And Dave, in this whole area of digital transformation, you have developed the idea of digital cohesion. Tell us what that is and how it applies. Well, you know, I talked in the
2: first segment about these companies that have essentially disrupted industries through technology. So I think the next step and we at Juniper networks think the next step is where we use uh, digital technologies to bring more cohesion, uh, to the public. And that's really going to be a future in which applications are going to automatically connect. Uh, they'll self assemble applications and data into compelling mega services. And those are going to enhance our lives in ways that we really can't even imagine today. And, uh, If you'd like, I'd like to go through a little vignette I created this morning. Um, I call it Medicare 2020. So uh, the year is 2020, and a retiree, that uh, grandmother in Illinois, uh, gets a text on her iPhone. By the way, that's
1: the year about when I'll be there (laughs) is 2020.
2: (laughs) So uh, I'm hoping that this is a reality just for you. So uh, that grandmother gets a text on her iPhone. It's an automated text. It's advising her of a potential medical issue. And uh, that issue was detected by a cloud-based diagnostic analytic um, that had knowledge of her pre-existing conditions. Um, It had access to the results of some blood work that was taken at a uh, recent regularly scheduled physical. Uh, It had input um, from uh, a daily activity monitor that was essentially just a uh, a fitness wearable, uh, something like a Fitbit. Um, it had access to dietary information because this grandmother happened to be wanting to watch her weight and she was using a uh, online app to uh, track her, uh Uh, calories on a daily basis. Did it also know her Peapod deliveries if she was getting donuts? It It could certainly get that so it would know what what she's actually buying. And uh, potentially, even more importantly, it could get real-time telemetry from an implanted cardiac monitor. So all of these things actually exist today, but none of them are connected. But what if we could provide this uh, cloud-based analytic um, that could put all of this data together uh, draw a conclusion that there's a potential medical issue. So now uh, the uh, this uh, this grandmother, uh, based on this text, uh, she agrees to get an in-home um, examination, and uh, that's scheduled almost immediately uh, by an app that's uh, ho- home healthcare consulting uh, professionals have on their smartphones. So, you know, call it an Uber for medical care where uh, these home health care professionals uh, basically get a, uh, an assignment and then they can go to, uh, uh, the nearest one can go to that assignment. Uh, based on the examination, that consulting uh, uh, medical assistant um, uh, diagnoses the condition and uh, determines that this person needs further treatment. Um, that treatment can be uh, then scheduled through a reverse auction online so that the uh, treatment can be acquired at the lowest cost in the most convenient fashion to the uh, the actual end consumer. And so we're going to minimize the cost uh, to Medicare and maximize the consumer experience. And that is what
1: digital cohesion can bring to us. And so that brings all kinds of questions, too, is who programs all of this? And then what What about the privacy and Absolutely. cybersecurity issues? So
2: uh, I we see there are really four... Uh, critical things that need to come together to enable this kind of digital cohesion. Automation. Humans can't react fast enough to uh, uh, the amount of data required. So we are going to have to have uh, basically cloud-based automation and analytics that can take this data and forge it together and come up with the right conclusions. Uh, Interoperability. So we achieved so much uh, in the world when we agreed on something called the Internet Protocol or IP and it turns out the Internet Protocol is what runs the Internet. So really that allowed everyone to seamlessly and ubiquitously communicate. Now moving forward we've got to take that value proposition up the application stack. We need to have everything based on open software and open standards so that information can rapidly be exchanged between applications. Uh, We've got to disaggregate software and hardware so they can be mixed and matched and we can have a truly software-defined network. Uh, Security, you mentioned that right up front. If the public doesn't trust this kind of system, they're not going to put their personal data into it. So to achieve trust, you have to have security. The only way you can achieve this level of security is to have a designed infrastructure that's... uh, upfront designed to be fully secure. And once again, that's going to come back to automation. Automation to make the access control decisions. Who and what is allowed to access a person's data? Uh, under what conditions can that be shared? And uh, we have to automate the uh, cyber incident detection response. Sure. Keeping the adversaries out. Finally, performance. The only way this is going to work is if it's fast and reliable. So. Uh, We're going to move to the cloud by definition for the computing aspects of it. That's going to increase the requirements for bandwidth. And as a result, we're going to have to upgrade the fabric of the Internet and the fabric of these cloud data centers. Latency is going to become critical. Uh, The faster you can accomplish something, uh, the more quickly you can deliver value to the end consumer.
1: So you started with a story and ended up with technological factors. And it seems like that is the approach that government practitioners really need to take as they do digital transformation, to start with, what is the story here? What is the right? What's what, the art of the possible? Right, and then backfill with what technologies are needed to keep that, to to accomplish that. It strikes me that maybe as VA is looking to get out of the woods there to some degree and, and modernize the way it trans it, it delivers services, that's a great way for an agency like Veterans Affairs to think.
2: Right, being able to track and provide the services to those veterans. In a predictive fashion, as opposed to when the veteran is in need and has to get on a list to get those services.
1: All right. So uh, then, who starts this? It sounds like the program manager, or maybe even maybe even a level above that, uh, to begin this thinking toward this type of digital transformation.
2: So absolutely, we need to bring commercial thinking into the federal government, and I, uh, you know, I think organizations like the uh, uh, the Defense Digital Services in the DoD and 18F in GSA are a great way to start. But uh, we need to continue to bring this commercial innovation into the federal government. We need to overcome any policies and procedures that might tend to slow this kind of progress. And once again, I think program managers need to think about the art of the possible and solve problems they didn't know they had, as opposed to, uh, you know, the problem that's been in the
1: uh, network for five years. And looking at the technology base in government now, would you say that it's equipped to to carry out this type of scenario that you described?
2: So uh, I think it's going to come down to leadership. Uh, we have seen an uh, impetus in the new administration to push for digital transformation uh, with the, uh, the White House's innovation initiative. And uh, they are bringing together industry leaders. Uh, so I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, let's just hope we can
1: continue. All right. Good place to end. I want to thank today's guest. Dave Mihelsic is head of federal strategy and technology at Juniper Networks. I'm Tom Temin, Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. For more on this discussion, just visit federalnewsradio.com. Use the search term Juniper.
0: Thank you for listening to the From Disruption to Cohesion, the next step in digital transformation discussion sponsored by Juniper Networks on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. The entire discussion is available on demand at federalnewsradio.com slash Juniper.